the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. You know, sometimes it just takes a bigger two-by-four across somebody's head to get them to the place where they finally will surrender. I don't know what it took if you know Christ as your Savior. I don't know what it took for you to come to faith in Christ, but I know this, that there are varying degrees of difficulty that God uses in people's lives to finally get them to the bottom of themselves. Some people come more easily than others. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Daniel. Is God trying to get your attention, either by turning you away from a particular sin or by turning your heart to Him? Why not stop fighting and wrestling with Him and start following and obeying Him? The Bible says that God wants everyone to come to faith in Him. As you'll learn in today's message from Pastor Gary, God will go to drastic measures, especially during the tribulation, to turn people to Him. God loves everyone, and He is pursuing you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, as he begins his message, The End Time. Well, we're going to bring the book of Daniel to a close today by looking at the last two chapters. Remember that the first half of the book of Daniel, chapters 1 through 6, are basically a, an historical narrative of the 65 years that Daniel served various kings of Babylonia and Persia. The last half of the book of Daniel, chapter 7 through 12, are basically a prophetic journal of the various dreams and visions that God gave Daniel over the course of his lifetime concerning things in the future. So all of chapter 7 through 12 were in Daniel's future, but some of the things from chapter 7 through 12 have been fulfilled, so they're now in our past. But some of the things that Daniel saw and was given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit concern things that have not even yet been fulfilled in our lifetimes. So we're heading into a section here as we close out the book of Daniel that have strong prophetic application for our, for our world. There are things that are going to happen in the globe that God tells us in advance. You know, a lot of people in the world are intrigued by, you know, 
futuristic kinds of things like the, you know, Nostradamus and all this kind of stuff and peering into the future. And that's why people spend a lot of money, you know, with, with people who are, are charlatans, you know, who, who want to read your palm or, or uh, you know, who want to uh, involve themselves in what I think are kind of demonic things to, to try to tell the future, right? Um, here we are as Christians, we have the Bible given to us and God has given us a glimpse into future things. And so it's like this journal that we have in our hands here, which tells us things that occurred in history and which tells us things that shall occur in the future. And of course, when God says it, it has come to pass and will come to pass that which has not yet been fulfilled. And so we have the advantage as believers of peering into the future through the lens of the Bible. And Daniel is giving us some things here that will occur in the world. Whether or not we will still be here is yet to be seen, uh, but these are things that will happen in the earth. And so um, as he finishes out these last couple of chapters, he talks about some things that are to come. Uh, Remember from our study last week in chapter 10 that an angel of the Lord appears to Daniel to give Daniel a message, and that angel was delayed for 21 days because of this spiritual warfare that was happening in the heavenlies. When the angel finally gets to Daniel, the angel tells him these things that are to come. So what we're going to read here concerns things even in our future. I'm going to start here in chapter 11. I'm going to look at verses 36 and 37, and then we'll jump on over to chapter 12 and read a few verses there. But in Daniel chapter 11, there's this reference here to a king But this king, as you see the description unfold, is really a metaphor for the Antichrist. And so in Daniel 11, verse 36, it says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done." He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Now, if you'll jump to chapter 12, look at the first few verses with me. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, At that time, Michael, this is the archangel Michael, shall stand up, the great prince who stands, watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who was found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Look at the very last verse as we close out this book. Verse 13, but you, Daniel, go your way till the end. For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. And so it concludes here talking about going on your way till the end. We're going to talk today about the end times. We've all heard the expression, timing is everything. In music, keeping a beat, timing is everything. If you want to tell a good joke, timing is everything. In sports, 
If you want to catch a ball or take a bat and hit a ball, it all involves timing. Uh, Making investments involves timing. They always say you want to buy low, sell high, and so trying to find that right timing in all things is important relative to a lot of things in life. The book of Daniel is about timing. These closing chapters, Daniel talks about the end times, things that are to come. And he uses three different phrases in chapter 12 to talk about end times. He talks about a time of trouble in chapter 12, verse 1. He talks about a time of deliverance, also in verse 1 of chapter 12. And he also mentions the time of the end in chapter 12, verse 4. These three phrases represent three elements of the end times that will happen in our future. So as we're reading through this, keep in mind, these are things that are still to come. One of the things that he points out to us here, just taking these three elements one at a time, is that there will come upon the earth a time of trouble. Or another word to be used instead of trouble is tribulation. The Bible speaks about a period of seven years that will come upon the earth that will be of great tribulation. Different things are going to happen upon the earth. And here in Daniel 12, verse 1, Daniel says, And there shall be a time of trouble, a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. In other words, never before, never again will there be the kind of tribulation or trouble that is going to come upon the earth. In other words, this trouble, this tribulation that is coming will be unparalleled in human history and never to be repeated again. Now, Jesus spoke of these same days in Matthew chapter 24, and he said the same thing, verses 21 and 22. He said, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So there's that glimpse of hope there for the elect refers to the Christians. So Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be this tribulation. It's what Daniel spoke of here in Daniel chapter 12. It's going to be these cataclysmic events that will happen on the earth. God is going to pour out his wrath upon a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting world as a way to finally get the attention of people who have up to that point rejected him. And so the seven years of tribulation, the Bible refers to and describes between Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 18 in great detail. I'm going to read just one tiny section from Revelation chapter 8 so you get a small idea of some of the things that are going to come upon the earth. This is from Revelation 8 verses 6 to 13. It says this, So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed." Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. 
A third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. That's what wormwood means, bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, John wrote, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So that's a description of what's going to happen over the series of four angels blowing a trumpet, proclaiming a series of God's wrath being poured out. The last three trumpets, I'm not even reading. So you get a glimpse of the idea of the cataclysmic, disastrous things that are going to happen upon the earth. The Bible describes through Revelation how God is going to unleash a series of all of these events on the earth in the form of, for example, famine and economic collapse, natural disasters like earthquakes, volcanic activity, meteor showers, uh, things like the darkening of the light sources we just read, sores and plagues will break out on people, oceans will be turned to blood. This is just to name a few things that are going to happen. Many will die because of their stubborn refusal to believe in the Lord and be saved. And those who do put their faith and trust in the Lord during the seven years of tribulation will be martyred for their faith. They will be taken to heaven, but they will experience martyrdom on the earth as a result of their faith. Now, you hear some of this, and I'm only giving you a glimpse of it, and you might say to yourself, why would God do such a thing? Why would God pour out His wrath in such a way that it's so catastrophic upon the earth and many people die? There are three, thing, three reasons why God is going to uh, bring tribulation upon the earth. Number one is to wake up unbelievers. That's the first thing. This is a final opportunity for people to get saved. You know, sometimes it just takes a bigger two-by-four across somebody's head to get them to the place where they finally will surrender. I don't know what it took, if you know Christ as your Savior, I don't know what it took for you to come to faith in Christ, but I know this, that there are varying degrees of difficulty that God uses in people's lives to finally get them to the bottom of themselves. Some people come more easily than others, and some people are more resistant than others. Those who are resistant, God has to go to drastic measures to reach. So as much as we listen to these things as I read them from Revelation that are going to happen upon the earth, and as much as we can quickly say to ourselves, so that doesn't seem like a very loving God, a very caring God, keep in mind This is in regards to people who have been forsaking Christ, rejecting God. What's it going to take? What's it going to take finally for them to be broken enough to realize their need for a Savior? Sometimes it's going to take this. So it's better to believe early, right? It is better to believe early. If God's trying to get your attention, and some of you right now are wrestling with God. There's something going on in your life right now, probably, and God's trying to get your attention, and, you know, you can, you can cry uncle and tap out early, or you can keep wrestling with him. It just is more painful. But you will eventually surrender because God is going to do all he can to go after you because that's the kind of God he is. He pursues us because he loves us and he doesn't want any to perish. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. He wants people to be saved. That's why he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross 2,000 years ago. 
He doesn't allow his only begotten son to be crucified on a cross, except that it was the opportunity for anybody who believed in him to have their sins forgiven and be saved. You don't do that kind of a thing unless there's a great motivation behind it. God's great motivation was his love for the world. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The reason why God gave his son was because he loves a lost and dying world. So as many as received him to them that believed on his name, he gave the right to become sons of God. This is what the Bible tells us, okay? And so people can respond to Jesus and say yes and come into relationship with him even now. But there's going to come a day when the last of the last, the most stubborn, are left on the earth. And God's going to use a series of cataclysmic events to try to get their attention. Now, again, we know human nature. When a crisis comes, and that's what tribulation will be, some turn to God. But when a crisis comes, others sometimes get angry at God, and they don't turn to Him. They just blame Him. And so that's going to be a mixture of what we see at the end times. When the tribulation comes upon the earth, the book of Revelation says that some get saved, and some raise a fist and get angry to God. And, and, and so they refuse to get saved. But it is God's last attempt here. The tribulation is God's last attempt to wake up unbelievers. Number two, the tribulation is also an opportunity to shake up the nation of Israel. Now, there are many Jews who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and believing that Yeshua HaMashiach, that Jesus is the Messiah. But the great majority of Jewish people today do not believe that Jesus is Messiah. One of the things that will come as a result of the tribulation period is an unprecedented number of Jews will come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's what happens as a result of the tribulation. Let me quote from the prophet Zechariah. You don't need to turn there. But Zechariah 12, verse 10, God says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, And then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Your attention. Zechariah the prophet also is given the future by God and looks at a time when Jesus returns and he stands on the Mount of Olives. And when that event happens, the Jewish people will see him and they will see the marks of his crucifixion. They will see the marks that he bears. And Zechariah says they will weep as one weeps bitterly over an only child that that they've lost. In other words, when they behold Christ with the marks of his crucifixion, it will move them in an unprecedented number to put their faith in the one who stands before them. And Zechariah 13 verse 9 says, that about a third of the Jewish population will come through the tribulation and put their faith in Christ. Zechariah 13, 9, I will bring the one-third through the fire. I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. In fact, the Bible tells us that during the tribulation period, God is going to raise up Jewish people as believers in Jesus, so much so that he's going to use 144,000 of them. Revelation chapter 7 says that God is going to pick 12,000 Jews from each of the 12 tribes of Israel 
who believe that Jesus is Messiah to serve as 144,000 witnesses who will testify of Christ throughout the earth during the tribulation time, and many will come to faith in Christ because of the 144,000 witnesses. Now, with all due respect to my Jehovah's Witness friends, they're just wrong because they say they're the 144,000. Uh, sorry. The Bible says that God selects 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the 144,000, not JWs, okay? The Jews. Just missing the E between the J and the W. <laughs> Romans eleven twenty six, Paul says, and so all Israel will be saved. Because in essence, at the end of the tribulation, it will shake up the nation of Israel so much so that the Jewish people will come to the place of believing in Jesus as Messiah. And then the third reason that God is allowing the tribulation to come upon the earth in the future is to make up the kingdom of God. In other words, the final list of who are believers and who have rejected God will be drawn up. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about God's patience but his patience, his long-suffering has a limit. And at the end of the tribulation, when Christ returns, it will be the end of any opportunity for anybody else to get saved. It's it. The door is shut. There is no more. You know, we take for granted, oh, we might have tomorrow. You're not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, by the way. But we all think about God's patience, His long-suffering. If I'm not ready to receive Christ, maybe I'll accept Him tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year, which again, you're not guaranteed. But there's actually going to come a day when there is no opportunity tomorrow or next week or next year, because at the end of the tribulation, the door for eternal life is forever shut. So it's important for us to understand that God is going to use the tribulation to accomplish these things. Now, as part of the tribulation, or what Daniel calls a time of trouble, will emerge one known in the Bible as the Antichrist. If you look again here at Daniel chapter 11, where we started our study at the beginning, the Antichrist is referenced in Daniel 7, 8, and 9, and now here again in chapter 11, when we were in the earlier chapters, I spoke more about the Antichrist, and I'm going to speak about him today. But in chapter 11, we get a little bit more insight in, into this guy who's going to come onto the world scene. In chapter 11, verses 36 and 37, I'll just read it again. It says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be done. Verse 37. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers, notice, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. So verse 37 gives us some insight into the spiritual condition of the Antichrist. Okay, The Antichrist is possessed by Satan. So he's operating under the influence of you know, satanic powers. But it says specifically here in verse 37 that he shall regard neither the God of his fathers. Okay, now pause there. The God of his fathers is a Jewish idiom. And it's talking about the heritage of Judaism, which implies to us that the Antichrist may in fact be Jewish. 
but that he will have no regard for the God of his fathers. In other words, he's going to be this secular atheist. He's Jewish by birth, it intimates in the text, but he is atheist by choice. Thanks for joining us today on Cornerstone Connection to study the book of Daniel. This man of faith lived in a time where Israel wasn't a nation. They didn't even live in their own homeland. Yet people like Daniel and his friends continued to serve the Lord, even when it wasn't widely accepted. They faced persecution, even to the point of death, yet they remained firmly planted in the truth of God's Word. While today you may not be facing a lion's den or a furnace if you profess your trust in Christ, you may indeed face opposition. God is still calling you to stand strong and to tell the truth, helping others to see the light. Your Creator is with you and will be your strength through whatever comes your way. Please know that we're praying for you here at Cornerstone Connection. If there's something specific we could be lifting up to the Lord, please get in touch with us. Our number is 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. Do you have a church family? If not, we'd love to step into that role for you. You're invited to be part of our weekly services here at Cornerstone Chapel. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get the latest information on service times, and regulations so that you can join us safely, either in person or online. You can also visit our Facebook page for information. You'll find a link at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. You know